Would you turn back to Genesis 44? The last event that was recorded before the betrayal of Joseph by his brothers was the birth of Benjamin. So Benjamin was an infant when this took place. He didn't have any part in the betraying of his brothers. And Joseph has seen him for the first time since he left. He's grown up a teenager, I suppose, at this time. And he is so excited about seeing his little brother, Benjamin. Look in chapter 43, verse 33. This is when he set the brothers in birth order. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright and the youngest according to his youth. And the men, men marveled at one another. They didn't yet know that this was Joseph. And they were amazed seeing him put them in birth order. And he took and sent messes unto them from before him. But Benjamin's mess was five times as much as theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. Now they're going to go back to Canaan where their father is with food. And he commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, and put every man's money in a sack's mouth. He's not going to let them pay a dime. He puts their money back in. This is not from their payment. And then he does something that almost seems deceitful. And he and put my cup the silver cup in the sack's mouths of the youngest and his corn money. And he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. He had this silver cup planted in his sack. And as soon as the morning was light, the men went, were sent away, they and their asses. And when they were gone out of the city and not yet far off, Joseph sent unto his steward, Up! Follow after the men, and when thou dost overtake them, say to them, Wherefore have you roared at evil for good? Is not this it in which my Lord drinketh, and whereby indeed he divineth? He can foresee the future. He can see what's taking place. Now, I'm not really sure that he could, but that's what he said about this cup. I can see everything through this cup. You've done evil in so doing. So the steward goes after him and he overtakes them. They're headed back to Canaan and all of a sudden their steward overtakes them and he spake unto them these same words. He gave the words exactly as Joseph gave him to give. No variation. And they said unto him, Wherefore saith my Lord these words? Evidently he said, One of you has stole the cup. Wherefore, saith my Lord these words, God forbid that thy servants should do according to this thing. Now we can sell our brother. We can um, fool our father and lie to our father and make him think his son is dead. 
but God forbid we do this. Oh, oh. They go and say, behold, the money which we found in our sacks mouths, we brought again unto thee. Remember the first time that he sent them back, he put the money in their sacks. He said, we've brought that money back to make sure you knew that we were being fair and square. We were doing anything dishonest. Behold, the money which we found in our sacks mouths, we brought again unto thee out of the land of Canaan. How then should we steal out of thy Lord's house silver or gold? With whomsoever of thy servants it be found, both let him die, and we also will be my Lord's bondmen. Now, remember the cup of guilt was placed in the sack of him who didn't have anything to do with that sin. That's very significant, isn't it? He didn't do anything. He was an infant. Yet the instrument of guilt is placed in his sack. And Joseph placed it in his sack. And Joseph was doing this in order to make sure that Benjamin stays with him. They say, with whomsoever, verse 9, of thy servants it be found, both let him die, and we also will be my Lord's bondmen. And he said, now also let it be according to your words, but with whom it is found shall be my servant, be my slave, and you shall be, what's the word? Blameless. Blameless. Then they speedily took down every man his sack to the ground and opened every man his sack. They were going to prove that this did not happen. And he searched and began at the eldest and left at the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Now do you remember how Judah had stood as a surety for Benjamin and said, I'll take complete responsibility for him? He's seeing now he's in trouble because the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Benjamin is going to be the one that's held behind, and they're going to go blameless. How do you think he felt about that? Verse 13, Then they rent their clothes and laid it every man his ass and returned to the city. They were so upset they'd failed their father. They knew Benjamin was in trouble. And Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house, for he was yet there, And they fell before him on the ground. Now, this is something that took place a whole lot as we read this story. You remember his dreams? They're going to be falling on the ground before me. Well, here it happens again. It's going to happen more after this, too. There they are falling on the ground, knowing that their destiny is in this man's hand. And Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that you've done? What ye not that such a man as I can certainly divine? Well, yeah, I guess he can if he put the silver cup in the, uh, he was the one that had it planned there. Sure, he could see it. But I don't know whether he's trying to scare him at this time or whether he did have some kind of supernatural power to see what was going on. Maybe he did. I don't know. But at any rate, he's the one who put the cup, had the cup put in Benjamin's sack. And he says, don't you know that I can see what has been taking place? 
And Judah said, we've been framed. He didn't say that, did he? Somebody planted this in his sack and he didn't do it. We didn't do it. We've been framed. He didn't say anything like that. What shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. And Joseph is speaking again, and he said, God forbid that I should do so. But the man in whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my slave. And as for you, get ye up in peace to your father. The Lord said with regard to the scriptures, they are they which testify of me. All of them. All of them. And the purpose of this story is once again in a very clear and poignant manner to teach us the gospel. Now, I, I fear uh, looking at the scriptures and almost making a game of it to see how we can find the gospel in it. With uh, I don't want to do that. I, wanna, I want to see the gospel as taught by the Holy Spirit and believe the gospel. And this is such a beautiful, beautiful type of the gospel. Now, in this story, Joseph is a type of the father. The steward is a type of the Holy Spirit. Benjamin is a type of Christ. And Judah and his brethren are types of the men that Christ saves. This story begins with his command. This is Joseph's command. And my dear friends, the gospel begins with God's command. And understand this, the will of God and the command of God are the same thing. I love it when David said, thou hast given commandment to save me. And Lord, give commandment to save me. This begins with his commands. Now, salvation is of the Lord. It begins with him. It doesn't begin with man and the things God can do for him. It begins with God and his command. And he, Joseph, commanded the steward of his house, saying, fill the men's sacks as much as they can carry and put every man his money in his sack's mouth. Fill their sacks with food. Fill them to the full. Now, when God saved you, do you know he made it to where you can't get any more saved than you are? You're full. You are full. You are complete. The word literally is full. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are full in him. You can't get any more loved. 
You can't get any more holy. You can't get any more accepted. You can't get any more justified. You can't get any more redeemed. You're complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your sack is full. Now you may have all kinds of things going on in your mind that trouble you. I understand that. It's called being flesh. It doesn't take away from this truth. Your sack is full. You're accepted in the beloved. You are well pleasing to the Father. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, Of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Your sack has been filled. And he also said, put every man's money in his sack's mouth. I'm not going to take their money. They're not going to earn any of this. They're not going to pay for any of this. This is all my gift. Salvation is by grace. It was the grace of God that chose me. It wasn't because he foresaw I'd be a preacher or before he foresaw I would be anything. He did it as an act of his own sovereign will. His grace gave his son to redeem me from all my sins. It was his grace that justified me and made me stand before his holy law sinless without blame. It was his grace that called me and gave me life. It was his grace that preserves me. I didn't pay a thing. You put the money back in their sacks. This is the gift of my grace. I want to give something. What do you have that he would accept? Salvation is of the Lord. Verse 2. And put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest and his corn money. And he, the steward, did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. Now Benjamin was the only one who was not guilty of the betrayal of Joseph. He was an infant. Joseph knew that. The last event that's recorded before the story of Joseph's betrayal is the birth of Benjamin. He was still an infant when this took place. Yet, he is the one Joseph selected to be the guilty one and have the silver cup. The one who did not participate in this wickedness that his brother had participated, his brother brethren had participated in. He is the one that Joseph gave the cup to. Now, the Lord Jesus never sinned. He did not participate in our sin. And this is one of the glorious things of the Lord. While he never sinned as a man, he experienced everything with regard to sin except for the commission of it. He never sinned. But he bore the weight, the guilt, 
the shame, the disgrace of sin when he was made sin. He never sinned. But the father, just as Joseph had this cup placed in Benjamin's sack, the father gave his son this cup to drink. Just as Joseph had the cup put in Benjamin's sack, it was the father who gave Christ the cup of our sins to drink. I think about the Lord saying, the cup which my father gave me to drink. Shall I not drink it? Now, I don't know how to speak on this as I ought to, nor does anyone else. But what was in that cup in Gethsemane's garden that the father brought before him, that he sweat great drops of blood when he saw it? Don't think it was just the horror of the physical pain he was going to bear. It was the horror of knowing He was going to drink the cup of the sins of the elect. All those sins were going to be brought into his body. Now you think of the most nasty thing that you could think of and putting it in a cup that your soul would recoil at and think of that going in that cup and you drinking it. That's nothing compared to Christ drinking in the sins of his people in his own body on the tree and I feel like so ignorant even talking about it I know it's so he drank the cup of my sins 2 Corinthians 5 21 says for he hath made him sin not he made him guilty and subject to punishment He made him sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The only one who is not guilty became guilty. The silver cup was placed in Benjamin's sack. Verse 3, and as soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away, they and their asses, and When they were gone out of the city, and not far, yet far off, Joseph said unto his steward, Up, follow after the men, and when thou dost overtake them. You know, we heard that song this morning. Hail sovereign love that first began the scheme to rescue fallen man. Hail matchless Free eternal grace that gave my soul a hiding place. Against the God who ruled the sky, I fought with hands uplifted high. Despised the mention of his grace, too proud to seek a hiding place. But thus the eternal counsel ran, almighty love, arrest that man. Overtaking grace. Irresistible. Invincible, saving grace. Oh, he came and he overtook him. Aren't you glad the Lord overtook you and didn't leave you to yourself? Follow after the men, and when thou dost overtake them, say unto them, Wherefore have you rewarded evil for good? 
Is not this it in which my Lord drinketh, this cup you have wickedly taken away and stole, whereby indeed he divineth? You've done evil in so doing. And he overtook them and spake unto them these same words. Now there is a good lesson with regard to preaching. I better be preaching the same words he preaches. I better be giving his words and only his words. Verse 7. Here's their reply. And they said unto him, Wherefore saith my Lord these words? God forbid that thy servants should do according to this thing. You know, that's almost comical, isn't it? I mean, this was a wicked bunch of guys. You look at all the things that they had, they had done previous to this. Murder, written, just on and on. I mean, these guys did a whole lot of bad things. But yet, when they brought this message, God forbid that we should do such a thing. You know, you're really never convicted of sin, truly, until you hear the gospel. That's when you find out what sin is. You'll say, just like these people, God forbid that I should do something like that. I wouldn't do anything like that. I mean, sure, I make mistakes, sure, I'm bad, but I wouldn't do anything like that. No, you do worse. And they, in fact, did, had done worse than this. But they said, God forbid that we should do according to this thing. Behold, the money which we found in our sacks' mouths, we brought again unto thee out of the land of Canaan. Now he's talking about initially when they first came in chapter 42 and went back, Joseph had the money placed back in their sacks again. You see, in this thing of salvation, and that's what it was, it was salvation to them to get this food. We're not going to pay anything. This is the gift of God. And they find it. They're scared. They don't know how it got back. And they come back and said, we gave that money back. We're completely above board. Behold, the money which we found in our sack's mouth, we brought again unto thee out of the land of Canaan. How then should we steal out of the Lord's house silver or gold? We wouldn't do anything like that. Now, they're so sure of themselves. They say, with whomsoever of thy servants be found, both let him die and will be my Lord's bondman. They were sure they hadn't done this. Um, whoever did it, if that happens, let him die, and we will be your slaves forever. We haven't done this. Verse 10, And he said, Now let it be according to your words. But with whom it is found shall be my servant, and you shall be blameless. Now, the ones who were guilty of selling their brother is the ones who are going to be blameless. Now, don't miss that word, blameless. According as he hath chosen us in him that we should be holy and without blame before him. Blameless. That he might present you holy. Colossians 1.22. That he might present you holy. And without blame. Without blame. Perfect in Christ Jesus. Now how can that be? 
Well, the sin was taken from me. And Christ drank the cup. And he became guilty. And because of what he did, every believer is blameless. Now, I want you to meditate on that for just a moment. I, I have some awareness, not, not near as much as I ought to have, but I have some awareness of my personal sin against God, my continued sin. And yet this passage of Scripture tells us blameless, holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Blameless. It's what the Bible calls justification. That's what blamelessness is. There's nothing to blame you for. Now, it's so ironic, if that's the word, that um, the fellows who were guilty are made blameless. And the one who was not guilty bore the guilt. And it was Joseph who took the silver cup and put it in Benjamin's sack. And it's God the Father that took my sin and gave it to Christ for him to put it away. Verse 11. Then they speedily took down every man his sack to the ground and opened every man his sack. They were in a hurry to demonstrate their innocence. I'm going to show you we didn't do this. He searched and began at the eldest and left at the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. My sin was found in Christ. Let me repeat. He never sinned, but he bore all of the guilt, all of the shame, all of the consequences, all of the horror of sin. That's why he sweat great drops of blood in Gethsemane's garden. He bore the sin. That cup was in Benjamin's sack. You know, when I talk about this, one of the things that I think is is uh, keeps us from really entering in. We see it, but I'm ashamed to say that we're used to sin. We're used to sin. It doesn't seem as shocking to us as it ought to. But he who is holy, he who is without sin, bore that sin in his own body on the tree. The cup was found with Benjamin. The instrument of guilt was found in Benjamin's sack. Verse 13. Then they rent their clothes and laid it every man his ass and returned to the city. They saw that they'd failed in delivering Benjamin. As far as they could tell, we're going to read what Judah said next week about this. But um, they had failed in protecting their father's favorite son. They rent their clothes in anguish and they returned to the city where 
Joseph was. Verse 14, And Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house, for he was yet there, and they fell before him on the ground. This is the posture of a sinner when he comes to Christ. You remember the leper? The scripture says he fell at his feet and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Now these men knew that what was going to take place with them was totally up to Joseph. They were in Joseph's hand, and when somebody comes to Christ, they know their eternal destiny is in his hand. It's up to him as what is going to happen to me. They understood this. Verse 15, and Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that you've done? What ye not that such a man as I can certainly divine? Foresee the future? See what's going on? Now, like I said, maybe he could. I don't know. But I know he knew that he had the cup planted in a sack. And so, of course, he saw that the cup was planted in Benjamin's sack. He put it there. But he says, what did you all think? Did you think you could get by with this? I can see what's going on. I know exactly what took place. And these fellows were scared to death at that time. Verse 16 and Judah said, well, we've been framed. <laughs> we've been falsely accused. No, now is when he sees his sin. Not until then. They were proclaiming innocence before this took place. Oh, they knew they'd done some bad things, but they hadn't done this. And now when Judah hears the gospel, and the gospel is so clear in this passage of scripture, look what he says. And Judah said, what shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak or how shall we clear ourselves? We don't have anything to say. And you know, when God saves somebody, they don't have anything to say. That every mouth may be stopped. All self-vindication, all self-justification is gone. Don't have anything to say. <coughs> What shall we speak? How shall we clear ourselves? God, I found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, slaves, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. I don't know if he was trying to uh, save uh, Benjamin from being put to death at this time because he thought maybe he stole the cup. But he said, we're all in this together. And he said, to Joseph's words, God forbid that I should do so, but the man in whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant. And as for you, get ye up in peace. Peace unto God, the Father unto your father, but representing because Christ had the cup.
You know what I can do? I can go to God in peace. The peace of blamelessness. The peace of no sin. The peace of justification. Romans 4.25 says he was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Don't ever look at justification as legal language. If you're justified, that means you're sinless before God. That sin is gone. It's been expunged from the universe. It's gone. Therefore, Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he is our peace. Because the cup was in Benjamin's sack, he who never sinned, the guilty, are now blameless. And they can go in peace. That's the message of the gospel. Peace by Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank you for the gospel of your glory. How we thank you that our Redeemer, that you gave, our Redeemer, our sins, that you took them from us and placed them in him and he bore the guilt and the shame of our sin and he, because of his glorious person, was able to put it away, to purge it away and to separate it as far from us as the east is from the west. Lord, how we thank you for our Redeemer. Lord, we ask in his name that you, by your grace, would give us such grateful hearts and hearts of love to him that our only desire is to follow him. Bless this word for Christ's sake. In his name we pray.